Brother Kim. Hello? Yeah, Brother Kim. You here? Hey, I'm there. How you doing, brother? Can't complain too much. I hate you, man. Okay. So, welcome back, first of all. I hate you. Welcome back, first of all. Now, let's just get into it. Now, the other day we were talking about um, something that you mentioned, oh. um, the 2025 plan. Yeah, 2025 plan of China, yes. Of China. Uh-huh. And they were implementing that to become less um, reliant on the U.S. Um, and also the Trump administration is trying to um, their best to impose extra tariffs on these goods. So, uh-huh. could you talk, so could you talk about that a little bit and what that means for the U.S.? Uh, the uh, made in twenty twenty made in China twenty twenty plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, basically, what made in twenty China twenty twenty plan is the Chinese premier or Chinese president, and I can never pronounce his name right. Um, it's uh Ling or Jean President Xin. They call him Xin. Yeah. And President Xin decided around May of two thousand and fifteen that the year twenty twenty five he wanted China to be the leading country in economics, meaning this. Um, there's about seven or between seven to 10 things that he wants China to start leading in. As, let, me, let me go back just a little bit. In the United okay. States, you talk about America. Yeah, you talk about the military power. Of course, you talk about the big, how big the size of the country. But what really makes America powerful in today's world is, is the uh, economic power. Um, the innovation that we have, the far reach, and some would say the cultural reach of the United States that we have. When I was in the Peace Corps, uh, one thing, and uh, when I was in the Peace Corps of the year 2001, 2003, uh, you constantly saw American products or American ideas, American cultures all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that's what the President Xi wants. What he wants is that he wants China to be the new, in a sense, superpower in that area. Now, he's saying that well, we don't want to rule the world. We don't want to be over the world. We just want China to be number one. Mm. That's, that's political talk, really, in a sense. That's, that's not really. They want to be the next big dog of the world, pretty much. That's what they want. And yeah. not the dog of the world. They want to be. Uh, they want, if not the big, world, uh, big, the big dog of the world, they want to be big dog of um, at least the hegemon. They call it hegemon of that region, which is the Far East. They want one or two of those things, either or to be the hegemon of the Far East, basically means the top person, just like the United States is the hegemon of North, North America, mm-hmm. uh, or they want to be the big person in the world. Now, China, or made in China 2020, mm-hmm. what that is about is that how China really wants to lead in certain um, economic fields. One of them is robotics. One of them is in IT. One of them is in engineering. Uh, I think also manufacturing, biotech, new energy, science, innovation, all those type of things China wants to be the leader in. If you go to your house, your house right now, mm-hmm. you can see about 70, 80% of what's in your house originated somewhere in America, means the ideal of you know, your computer. Uh, when you think about computers, you think about United States or you think about um, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, which is William Gates. Um, however, if you go st- in the same place in your house, if you look around your house, maybe 40, 45 percent of what's in your house is actually built in China. Yeah. And what they want is 
the manufacturing, instead of maybe being 30, 40% built was in your house being built by China, they want 80% of what's in your house to be built by China. Hmm. As in engineering, the cars, uh, airplane parts, they want 70% of the world to get all that from China. Um, IT products, they want 50% of all that comes from China. Robotics, they want all of that to come from China. That's their, that's their main focus and goal. Well, you know, they got certain principles that you have to follow during the trade system. And, you know, right. they have five major ones, which is non-discrimination, reciprocity, mm-hmm. binding and enforceable commitments, uh, transparency, trans- yeah, transparency and safety values. Are they violating yeah. any of these principles by saying, listen... Uh- I I uh, keep going, keep going. Uh, are they violating any of these principles by uh, saying, okay, we just want to keep most of this stuff basically like China or, you know, like um, we want the world to be dominated by China, basically. Are they violating any of these principles? Yes, sir, they are. They're pretty much violating all of them. For example, you see um, um, the basic principle of openness or uh, uh, transparency, correct? Yes. Uh, China does not have that, and that's a problem. See, China right now has the second largest economics or GDP in the world, second largest. United States is the first one, then China, Japan, then Germany. The reason why China is not number one or is it having a hard time with number, being number one is because two or three things. First of all, if you own property in China and China, the government decides, say, the next day, says, you know what, we don't want to take their property, there's really no rule of law saying they can't do it. See, here in the United States, you can be from Saudi Arabia and buy property in the United States. If if uh, a state government or a local government wants to take your property, they have to go through a rule of law, show proof to why they do it or something called intimate domain in a sense. But they have to go through a process and do it. In China, there's no process. The government's going to do it. So why would you invest in the country when that does that? That's one problem that they have. A sec- another problem is that is that which means rights of privacy on um, and on the land. The second problem is that nothing is really transparent in China. See, in the United States, there's certain taxes, certain things you got to show uh, or certain things you got to um, have, some type of transparency with a business. If I go and buy um, Tires um, Inc. or Tires LLC, there's certain files and stuff I want to see. I want to see the transparency. I want to see how your process works. In China, they have a hard time doing that. That's why it's hard for really for American businesses to actually go into China and actually buy stuff because there's hardly no rules of laws to do that. Also, respecting intellectual property. If Tyrus has an idea to build a surfboard that flies over water, the next two weeks, matter of fact, you might well say the next two days, you got 50 companies building your surfboard that flies over water and you're not making no money. And mm. Chinese government doesn't know much about it. That's one thing President Trump was um, discussing. That's one thing they have this tariff war or this economic war with China, respecting intellectual property. So they, China has a hard time doing that. Now, and to them, they have said to themselves, by 2025, they're trying to figure out a model, trying to find a model of how to increase the economy by still being a state-controlled economic system. Now, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they, <laughs> they, say, they, try, they say they're trying to do it. No. You know, so that's, that's the whole thing. So I think that's named maybe two or three of things that's what you talked about. Yeah. So China has a hard time with that. Um, but we'll see what happens when the year 2025 comes, you know. So they're, in, um, so they're in, um, implementing it in order to stop them from 
doing this? Um, right now, President Trump, he's um, this is one reason he wanted to put tariffs on China, um, mm-hmm. uh, because China is doing things as we just previously just, just uh, talked about. China's doing things that's really opposite of what we call capitalism or a free market, and best best way to say it, free market. China's doing the opposite of things a certain there. Trump is saying, okay, you're flooding the market with um with uh certain products. But when we go to your country and want to sell you these things, you put taxes on us, you say no to this, you say no to that, you 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 put state money. Um, if there's a business, a company, a corporation that's um, trying to um, improve its uh, business, well, the state will go in and try to help that business. That that in nine states, that would be a no-no to do that. For U.S. government to go into uh, to go into uh, something like Apple's or something like Google's and say, "Okay, we want to help you to even do better," that would be a no-no, and people, American people, wouldn't, wouldn't accept that. Yeah. But China, that's what they do their business. That's what they do with their business. Wow. Some of the wealthiest people in China was as part of the Communist Party or part of the one party. And, and the state helps them with that. So that's a lot of things we have with them with that. Our problems with that. Um, no. Go ahead. No, just, let's just say for conversation's sake, if, um, uh-huh. the US, if the U.S. falls and China rises as the de facto superpower of the world, what if, okay. you know, black people with the uh, most poorest people in America, what do they say for Black Americans? When uh, you say, wait, 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 say that one more time. Are you saying that uh, about China, Black Americans? Say that again. I said, um, if the U.S. falls for conversation, uh-huh. speaking conversation, if they fall as the, because um, I think right now they're the de facto superpower of the world. Right. Um, uh-huh. But um, if China rises as the de facto power of the world, what does that say about Black Americans and the condition of Black Americans? Because we're the poorest people. <laughs> In America, Harvey, I mean, you know what? That's a great question. I have to say, um, let me assume this. Um, when you think about America and its economic power, especially its cultural power, really, when you think about um, America, you think about its cultural power. Mm. You got to think about Black Americans, and I learned that when I lived in Africa for two years, mm. and when I've been overseas too, in other places, because when you look at the culture of hip hop or singing, or R&B blues, or even just fashion. You know, one fashion I can't stand is when brothers put their pants down behind their butt. <laughs> but you go to the other country, and they do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, who do you think they got that from? Black um, and <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, a lot of things, uh, you know, music, jazz, uh, all these other things, and, uh, you know, uh, skills and stuff, skills like that. Um... But your main question is, since the United States is uh, de facto um, economic power or the superpower, superpower right now, because that means military and everything else, yeah. and China comes in and then America falls from there, how that would leave black Americans? I have to say this. We all in the same boat. Hmm. When it comes to America, we all in the same boat. It, it won't be good for black Americans. I don't see in what way it would be good for black Americans. Uh, so- and I say that because... Um, will black people begin to uh, increase in economic and prosperity? Um, I, the Chinese look at us the same way in a sense sometimes the white folks look at us. Yeah, because you, you know Hitler called them honorary Aryans. Yeah, absolutely. Matter, matter he, called, he called the Japanese that. Yeah. yeah. 
and um, so I don't see it being I don't see it good for Black Americans. Matter of fact, like I said, as American citizens, which we all are, cool. um, it, 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 we all in the same boat. So what happens to America is definitely going to happen to us, unless somebody's planning on getting going on a plane and going somewhere else. And I don't think most Black folks can do that. No, <laughs> not at this point. So yeah, not at this point. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't look too good. No, mm-hmm. you know, you said. As we know, you lived in Africa, and right. um, I have to ask you, and you lived among the African people. I have to ask you, why, is there, why does there seem to be a disconnect between Africans and Africans in America? Um, one disconnect, I believe it is, is that um, we cannot group all each other as one. Mm. The reason why is because here in America, you have Black folks in America are raised different, different language, different culture, a different mindset. Where in Africa, it depends on what country in Africa, you got tribalism, you got a different mindset, you got a different, sometimes different language and different culture, way of thinking and doing things. So really, we're two separate people. Mm. It's just you're saying, the, tell me the between the French, or between a Spaniard, which is a Spanish person, a Spaniard and a German. Mm-hmm. Now, both of them are European, and both of them may be somewhat white in a sense, mm-hmm. but different language, different culture and different history and different backgrounds. Same thing with uh, Black Americans and Africans. And really, you cannot group all Africans as in together. So that's, that's the reason. That's one of many reasons why there's a difference and disconnect between us. Once again, same way. What's the difference between an Italian and a Russian? Well, once again, they may be looking white, but however, the language, the culture, the history, the background is all different. Yeah. Same thing with Black Americans and Africans. Yeah. Black Americans, the language, the culture, the mindset, and everything is different than the African. And one thing I often try to tell my students is don't group all the Africans together because they're not the same. Yeah. Somebody from Ghana and somebody from Cameroon are going to talk different, act different, look different, do it different ways. So we all are just different people from different areas. And that's, that's the really the main connect. I feel like though, and maybe this is, um, and maybe this is some of my ignorance. I will, I will um, cut to that already before I say what I'm about to say. I feel as though, even though you got the Russian and the Italian, when it when it comes when it comes down to them being mistreated or uh, them using some type of social privilege, I feel like they'll be on the same they'll be on the same page. As in, if you have black people and African in America or African that's um visiting America, they you know what if, if, they, if they get mistreated, they they're not going to be on the same page. You know what? That's true. And that's true because I've seen it for myself. That is true. Um, a Russian and Italian, they will, uh, they will give each other some type of respect, absolutely, when they meet with each other. Uh, that, is, that I agree with there. And the reason I said it once again, I read it because I've seen that. Uh, however, Africans, especially, let me, let me even go a little deeper. Okay. Uh, and I don't want to offend any of my brothers and sisters in Africa, but the, let me just be uh, general. Western Africans, Preferably my Nigerian brothers and sisters. <laughs> when they tend to be black folks here, they tend to be uh, not so uh, welcoming in a sense. Some of them are. Um, um, but you're right in that sense, absolutely socially in a sense. Matter of fact, a French and a Russian or a Spaniard and an Italian, when they come together, yeah, they can be socially you know, respectful among each other. Where an African and, a, and an African-American um, or somebody from Nigeria, in a sense, 
won't be as much as respectful. Matter of fact, I think I've seen a Cameroon and a, and a Nigerian be more respectful towards each other. And actually, a Nigerian and African American sometimes are more respectful to each other. And Cameroons and Nigerians, they have a long history of distrust among each other. So, yeah, that's it. it yeah, it does. Because, you know, they have like, um, plus like a cotton and which means cotton picker. But, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I want them to understand something like we didn't choose to come to America. We were stolen goods, basically. Absolutely. And, You're right. And another thing is that if, because there's a scramble for Africa. Right. There's, a, there's a huge scramble for Africa because they're rich in minerals, just not um, rich in money. Am I correct, correct. about that? So if, if, if there's a scramble for Africa, do you want people that are, that don't have any connection to Africa at all, meaning Europeans or European whites um, or Asians to come and try to scramble for your home country or would you rather your own black Americans come over there and try to scramble for your country because Absolutely. whether they want to admit it or not, we are a part of them, whether they like it or not. You know what? I agree with you. Matter of fact, I think we would treat them more respectfully and more honorably than those Europeans who come over there. And matter of fact, more than the Chinese would come over there. Mm-hmm. Because China right now, when I left Lesotho, Chinese was all over the place. And um, so, but I agree with you wholeheartedly on, 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 on your part you just made. My next thing is black Americans, logically. Now mm. tell me something. I want you to, I want you to tell me, I want you to be honest as possible. Okay. Because I'm optimistic. I'm an optimistic mm. person. Now, is it possible for black Americans to start their own 2025 plan where they're not so dependent on the United States for their survival? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, is it possible for Black Americans as individual and nation in themselves to start mm-hmm. the own 2025 plan without relying on what we call the elite or uh, uh, white America? I'm going to put it that way. Yeah. Um, I would think you would have to take three or four things for us to do that. One thing it would take would be leadership. I don't see the leadership right now. Mm-hmm. I don't see the leadership. Um, in China, President Ching, Ching, excuse me, I'm pronouncing his name wrong, forgive me. Um, he says, this is what we want to do. And this is what we're going to do. Not what we want, but this is what we're going to do. So he's leading it, and he has his best people on it to do it. Okay. Um, starting today, we have a new Congress. We have the 116th Congress, I think it is. Yeah. And this time we have more minorities in, um, what well, I mean, or I should say black Americans in Congress than we ever had before. Um, but if you ask me who stands out, I really couldn't tell you who stands out. Who's the number one um, black leader right now? Matter of fact, right now, I really couldn't tell you. Hmm. Uh, who is the, what we call the standout of the black leadership? In, a, in our black history, there was always someone or one or two who stood out among black leadership. I'm yeah. talking about from Benjamin Banneker to Frederick Douglass. Martin Garvey. Mark, then Marcus Garvey, then I'm talking about W. Du Bois, I'm talking about Booker T. Washington, like him or not, Booker T. Washington. And then after that, I'm talking about A. Philip Randolph. After that, mm-hmm. A. Philip Randolph, I'm talking about Reverend Donald Martin Luther King, and then the Nation of Islam, Malcolm X, and not just him, but also organizations, the NCAA, I'm sorry, um, NAACP. Uh, I'm also talking about um, um, CORE, 
I'm talking about Snook with the student um, nonviolence. You always had that leadership. And then after uh, Reverend Dr. Luther King and others and Malcolm X being the pathway, yes, she, Reverend Jesse Jackson began to stand out a little bit, but he didn't last mm-hmm. that long. He was in the 1980s. But after the 1980s, then you start seeing Farrakhan coming through. But many other blacks did not really accept Farrakhan for whatever reasons. They didn't really accept him as leadership and at a leadership position. And after that, 1990s, you, you had nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody. If you notice, I did not say President Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's the why I did not say President Barack Obama because he does not, even though technically, yes, he is leader of what we call the black community because. He's, he's, he's president of the United States, plain and simple. That's his title, president of the United States. But as a black leader who was in the interest of all those people who I mentioned of black Americans, uh, he would tell you himself, and there's many recordings of him saying himself, he would say, no, we all Americans, we're all in the same boat. But however, black Americans tend to be um, sometimes not in that boat. We are in that, uh, that, that little small little rocky boat that they like to pull behind sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I didn't mention him. So right now, if you can say, I even, if you can, if I, and that's the number one thing I've been asking myself for the last five years, six years, that if something happened to black Americans, not something happened, for example, uh, where black Americans were being shot and killed by police officers. Every time you turn around, every week or every two or three months, every, every, every month, there was like two or three incidents where black Americans were being shot by police officers. Just had one recently. Yeah, he's had one recently. And so you say to you, say, you look around, you know, also you were used this unemployment still at that period of time, unemployment was bad. You look around, you hear a couple people here and there, Al Sharpton, and maybe some of the congressmen and women in Washington, D.C. But no one really stood out. No one Alicia really stood out. And not only that, was there a bill? Was there a policy? Was there anything uh, 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 unique in efforts to do something about it? I, 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 I can't think of it. I mean, if you go back, once again, step back and you say to yourself, or Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King with the Voters' Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, and then you step back with A. Philip Randolph with the Black Unions, with the, the Porter Street Quarter Porters, and then you step back a little bit further with student unions, and, you know, the sit-ins and um, trying to get those things. Then you talk about Frederick Douglass. You talked about Booker T. Washington with his schools and, and all these other things. And W.E. Du Bois and uh, Crady and organization. Now, yes, Black Lives Matter was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Black Lives Matter, in a sense, was truly in a sense of really, if you really looked at it from in, in, in its 2000s, it sort of, and this is just my opinion, people made this, was dysfunctional. It was started by three young ladies. I'm not going to get into their personal lives because you know something else. Yeah, three young. They were lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that and that's, and that's and that's and that says a lot, right there. Uh, you know. You know what? Yeah, because if you go back and look at it, most of our leaders will come from church or godly or holy men. <clears throat> yeah. um, got these uh, black lives matter, and it was just started with a hashtag with Trayvon Moore and everything else. And then look at that black lives matter. There's about five, not five. There's about ten or six. 10 or 15 organizations that actually made up Black Lives Matter, not Black Lives Matter in itself, it's the whole organization itself. It's 10 or 15 organizations that made it up. So there was a communist, there was a, a homosexuality, there was a, a, a women's organization. and Intersexuality? Yeah, all those things made up Black Lives Matter. So 
And then they had a scramble to try to trying to figure out what policy and um, what, what, what they stood for. And so then people, they had a scramble and trying to put that together. But in a sense, it was just a slogan, not really uh, a, pol- a policy or an organization. You know, um, if you ask me, where do I go for help for Black Lives Matter in Louisiana? I can tell you what NWACP office is. I can tell you what the Urban League office is. But ask me, where is the Black Lives Matter offices and who's in charge of Black Lives Matter in this region? I couldn't even tell you. Okay. That's a whole nother, that's, that's a whole nother story, but that's another thing. So that's what I mean by leadership. Okay. We need that. And I, I just don't see if, if you can give me, help me out with that, that'll be great. But I just don't see this no leadership. That's number one. Number two, um, I don't think the will is there. Hmm. The people, black people, black Americans, I don't think the will is there. Just said, okay, black Americans, you're 12 to 15 percent of the population, or 12, 13 percent of the population. Five to ten, five to six. I'm not asking for you know what? I would say two to three percent of the population. I'm not even asking for 10% of the population. Mm-hmm. Two to three percent of the population. All you willing is one or two or three million people willing to say, okay, I'm gonna shop black. I'm going to start um, businesses. I'm going to do economics. We're going to push this. We got an agenda. We're going to organize ourselves to do a 2025 black agenda. The will is not there. Why, the do, is not there. why do you think that is? Have we been, are we defeated mentally? Um, I would say why that is. Ooh, that's, that's a question. Why that is. Why is just the will is not there? I would say, let me say this. I'm going to put it plain and simple. As black folks, we got comfortable. Hmm. What do I mean by saying that? We got comfortable about this. Um, if you look at segregation before the civil rights movement, hmm. that's where things really start going down in the 1970s after the civil rights movement. But we look at the civil rights movement and, and, and pre, before the civil rights movement, black folks were sort of forced in a sense. We had a deal with our own. We had a come together on our own. Because why? Why were we forced? Because a white man ain't going to do nothing for you. He's going to beat you down no matter what. True. If your mom needs a new pair of shoes or I need a new dress, you couldn't go into that white store because you had segregation. So now you got to go to your black neighbor. You got to go. If your car was damaged or you need fixing, black men had to be what they call uh, tricks of the trade. Your Uncle Darrell, your Uncle Dallas, even Uncle Leroy, you probably remember them. There was mm-hmm. tricks of the trick. They can go, they can go in the house and almost fix anything. Yes. Why they, they it was forced upon it. They had to learn it in order to survive. Uh, you, you, you gotta go to a black store. You got you had to go to the black bank because why you knew you're not gonna be treated right in that white bank. So now what's going on is that so in a sense, you 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 black economy and togetherness, we, we stood stood together because why? Because there was no other option. Now there's another option. Now the other option is that, yeah, I can go to that store and I can spend $200, $300 on a Nike pair of shoes. Yeah, but you're spending that money, but you're still getting treated the same. Right. <laughs> right. And you know what? And that money ain't going to that black store. And that money is going to that Chinese store or, or to the everybody, or to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So now you got options. You got We got lazy on it. When people disrespect us, now we say to ourselves, oh, we ain't going to that store. No, no, we're going to, we're going to go to another store that's probably owned by that same person. Mm-hmm. 
in another area of the city. So I think that ultimately um, that's one of them. I mean, there's many, many reasons for it, but I think that's one of them. And also, um, you know what? I'm going to sound like I'll, my, your aunt and my mom. You know what? The devil's busy. <laughs> <laughs> that was busy, man. And, you know, and that's just one of the main things I, t- that's one of the main things I've always thought that if we do like certain ethnic groups in the United States, I think we'll be a, a lot better off. Um, when the European Jews come over, they stick together. When uh, the Koreans come over, they sit together in their neighborhoods. Or when they, or when the, when um, um, uh, Koreans come over, they stick together in their neighborhood. So it's um, you know. We always sit together, and I, I hate sounding like this, but we all say, you know, we wanted to be together, come together as people. I think that ultimately you have to look at yourself and say, okay, if they don't want to be part of us or they don't want to come together, that's fine. You know. But, it, you know, this is my problem with the, um, with the especially the civil rights movement. Um, not the people that were in it, because I think um, Elijah Muhammad, I think Malcolm X, I think Martin Luther King, um, I think all those, all those people did a wonderful job, you know, even though even though they had infighting even then, but I think they did a wonderful job. Right. Um, yeah. However, um, when they died, and I think when you say people got comfortable, they got comfortable with being socially accepted, but we, we socially integrated, but we didn't financially or, yes. um, or just, or even, we just didn't financially integrate. And right. I, mean, I don't think black people really seen what was going on and how can we be comfortable being socially integrated but not financially integrated why, why you, i'm sorry go ahead go ahead i'm sorry why do, I was about to ask you, why do you think that's a problem uh, uh, let, me, let me say this you know who else saw that but unfortunately um he only he only saw that at his last moment last end of his time reverend Damar Luther king saw that too yeah that's why he started the poor people's campaign he said he finally said you know what I, i'm seeing Racism, yeah, we 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 segregation, yeah, we ended it. But what I what he realizes that being poor economic, we we still are facing injustice because of poor in economics, and we don't have that um economic power. So that's one reason why he came up with the Poor People's Campaign because he did realize that. Um, so you're 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 not far you're not far from off at all about what was going on with that. Um. Why ultimately we didn't actually have that inter- economic integration? I think once again, um, I think you hit it on a good point. We just ultimately we just didn't. I, I think once again, Reverend 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 uh, Martin Luther King he saw it, but unfortunately, um, he saw it, but nobody picked the mantle up and ran with it what he saw, hmm. and so you know, unfortunately, it just didn't come to be that way, you know. Um, you know, which is really truly a shame for our our people in a sense. Um, this unemployment that we have, yes, employment unemployment has gotten a little bit better, but the the that's not. You may be working, but you're working for pennies, yeah. <laughs> and so that's a problem. That's a problem within itself. Um, yes, it's wonderful to be education, absolutely be educated. 
but to be consciously aware of what you spend your money and how you live your life and what you do with your money. That's a whole different story. Now, when we were speaking about the Asians and we talk about the Asians, they come over here and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but they come over here. They don't have any credit history in the United States. They are able to not pay taxes for a certain amount of years. And they are able to get loans from banks to start a business. Why, as Black Americans who help build this country through economics, through slavery, through the economics of slavery, they help build this country, we're not able to get those same subsidized, or those same privileges. Why do you think that is? I I don't know. And that's one thing, that's one answer I always wanted to know. I'm going to tell you right now, man, I don't know. And I just don't want somebody to, I I want you to tell me Step by step by step. And I told myself, if God granted me before I pass away, mm-hmm. I'm hoping I live until 99 years old, if God wills it, that someone can tell me how somebody from Vietnam who doesn't have any credit history mm-hmm. can go to a bank and open a store and sell hell to black folks and still make money. Yeah. I don't know how that is done. Well, tell me. So, uh, 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 somebody from Vietnam, probably from Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, come to the United States, become a citizen, open up a restaurant, sell soul food to black folks, in some cases probably make it a little bit better, and do very well in the United States. Yeah. And, I and, don't get that. And I'm trying to figure out figure that out too because I'm like, uh, as far as our and, sisters go, and you know, like you, I love our sisters. Um, I do. But I'm trying to figure out why haven't they locked that market up? Exactly. Why haven't they? Why haven't they got that market? They should have that market down pat. Exactly. They should have been a sister who said and came to me, or a brother who said to him, came to himself and said, "You know what? Black folks love him. I need to get in this business." But there is none that I that I know of. The only um, black-owned business dealing with hair is uh, what you call that stuff. Um, what's the name of that business? And they come to Essence all the time. They pass our bags too. They're the only black businesses that I know that still um, are together. I'm trying to think of that, that hair product um, of which, um, you know, our, our parents have soft and silky or something like that. Yeah. Uh, wave, whatever you want to call it. Soft and silky, I think it's wave new or something like that. I can't think of that hair product or the hair company that's owned by blacks. And it's the only one that's owned by blacks. But yeah, you out of that one that owned by blacks, you got maybe 20 others who are owned by the Koreans or by some Asian companies or by some European companies that sell black hair product. And then what gets me is when they don't sell products for black Americans, especially skin tone or, or makeup or face products, black folks want to protest them for not doing it. My thing is, how come you don't start your own business, get your own credit? And actually start your own company and then do it that way. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, brother. One day I am. I'm going, I'm going to find one. The show and tell me how do they do that. And I don't want you to give me some type of policy or or to tell me three or four steps of doing it. I want to step out. Matter of fact, I want to write a book on it, a thesis. Yeah. Because this knowledge needs to be read and, and to be known. Because I'm trying to figure out um also. We fought, I think it's a slap in the face because, you know, we fought in every major war in the United yes. States. We are, we are the mm-hmm. only people that haven't fought against the United States. Even right. 
even like um and for those who don't know the rebellion if you got the rebellion flag and the united states flag that does a contradiction because the rebels fought against yes. the united states but we're the only race of people that fought for the united states in every major war and that's just right. a real huge slap in the face for them to come out and just give these subsidies to other people that's not even from here right. who fought against them in wars. Correct. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. You know, but I, I, I really want to know of how it be how how that came to be, you know. Um and, and one day I'm gonna one day I'm gonna find that person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want facts. Don't don't give me assuming or you know, don't tell me well, you know, they let these people in the blah. No, you tell me what policy, you tell me the name of the policy, I want the facts. Because it can be duplicated. If they did it, it can be duplicated. And I, I, I truly want to know how is it possible. You know, and don't just sit there and tell me it's racist. Look, I know it's racist, but you tell me what, what exactly what it means by being racist. Okay. <laughs> tell me exactly how, how, how it works. Yeah. Because cause that Asian got to go to a white bank, or that Asian got to go to somebody's bank to do that. Yes. I want to know what that bank in which he's going to, to do that. Because I need to go to that bank. <laughs> yes, man. That's right. <laughs> I need to go to that bank. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it's just, um, you know, it, it, who is that guy? You know? So, um, but I, that's one question I always wonder myself. I, I just don't know. You know? I just don't know. And, and let uh, me say this. Yeah. That Asian, they have the hard time. I'm not hard time. Just like in Africa. Africa right now. You talk about the Europeans. China is all over the place. And it's going to be sooner or later. The Chinese are going to do just like the Americans were doing in Africa or the Europeans were doing in Africa. Now, they may not go there and colonize it, but when it comes to um, actually owning property rights, economics, the Chinese are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And I think we had a power. I do think we had a power. I do think we, if we just had that mindset, though, like you, like you pointed out. If we just had the mindset, I think we could... Start our own 2025 plan where we don't have to be dependent on the United States for our services and our goods. Um, now, let me, let me add this. There's one more thing. It would be nice if our top civil rights organizations come together and have a conference. And look, you know what? You just gave me an idea. This would be great. If our top civil rights organizations or black organizations come together and our top multimillionaires come together and our black bankers come together and just form this organization or come up with this idea than what you what you just mentioned um african americans or black americans for the 2025 if they just come up with something like that i think you know what that'll change even some of the mindset and also not just the mindset but i'll change some of the uh, 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 uh ways on which um, black folks think i mean if, if that just happened That'd be nice. Have our top billionaires become compromised though? Have they become sellouts? Yes. I don't want to say sellouts, but I'm going to say compromise. A lot of them have. A lot of them see things that a, a better way to improve ourselves is political and not economics. A lot of them see that way. That's, that's a lot of them see, you know what? We need to go through politics. We need to put in policy. We need to put in government policies to make life better. Let me tell you this. I know for a fact Government policies and government ways are not going to always going to help. It's not going to always do what we want them to do. And so I think that all these organizations and the and the black millionaires, black billionaires who understand who understand economics and way of doing things, they just need to come together. 
you know, and and, and form, you know, a, a plan, you know, or you know, uh, a uniting that situation. Yes, they're gonna be just some grieving, but I'm sure that, and I'm sure there's some things they agree with. So, um, do I let me put it this way: black elites have our black elites sold out. I don't want to say they sold out, but I think they what they have done is this: I think that they have gotten comfortable and they like the way they live. Hmm. That's what they like. They like the way they live. They like the things that they like the status quo. Yeah, but when you talk about politics, when you talk about politics, don't they know politics circle around money? And you have to gather money. They have to know that because if you and I understand that, they have to know that. Yeah. They have to know that. They have to know that uh, Mike Smith, Opal Winfrey, uh, Bob Johnson, uh, Bob Johnson's ex-wife, I can't think of her name right now. She owns a hotel in Louisiana. They all have to know that. They all know that. Even um, one of the um, feds, who's a black guy, I think the Dallas fed or the Ohio fed, um, I cannot remember his name right now. Even he knows that. You know, and I don't understand what they're scared of to do that. I, I just don't get it. Just like we talked last time about um, black mayors, black city council, Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, uh, New Orleans, Miami. You have black owned, I mean, black controlled politically, politically mayors and, count, and council members together. Yes. Why don't we have set this area aside and say, look, you don't even have to say, you know what, it's for a black. Don't even say that because I know that sounds discriminatory. Just say this area is for the poor and for the needy. And for this area, we're going to have the best, best, or whoever. We're going to let capitalism or whatever just take care of that area and let them do what they need. And we're going to, matter, we're going to give land uh, for low pricing. And it's basically starting the economic system that way. But none of them do. But, but you know, even, but you know, if they said that, if they said it was just for us, I wouldn't be mad. You know why? Or, or I don't think that's discriminatory because we're the only group that don't say that. That's true. That's true. There's the only group that don't say that. That is true. Yeah. But I, I, I understand policy. I understand policy. And also, I understand optimism. Mm. Optimism, um, optics. Optics is basically the way it looks. Mm. You don't want it to look bad. You don't want it for it to be bad like that. I get that point. And that's why I'm willing to phrase it in a way that it doesn't look bad or sound bad. Hmm. You know, so, I was watching, yeah. watching this movie called A Founder the other day. And um, at first I wasn't going to watch it because I was like, that's not something I'd be interested in. But it turned out to be a good movie. And this lady said something very interesting. She said, fortune favors the bold. Yes. So I think at that point, I think we got to go for hours. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. <laughs> you know what? I'm, 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 once we get off this, once we get this off this um, iPod, uh, mm-hmm. podcast, yes. I, I, next time we see each other, I'm going to tell you something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, fortune uh, favors the bold. I'm going to tell you something else, but right now we're on record, so I ain't going <laughs> to get too much. <laughs> you ain't going to say nothing. Yeah. So, so um, last time you were here, you said um, that you don't think we're in a race war. Right. Now, recently, a white man, a random, random white man, killed mm-hmm. a little kid in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, I remember seeing that on television. Yes. Uh-huh. And um, they say, they say that there's a um, police on for him. However, I want to say this. There have been pictures of 
police officers in Houston, Texas, throwing up the white supremacist sign, um, the OK symbol, which is the white supremacist sign. Are you ready now to say we're in a race war? No, I am not. Okay. No, I'm not. I would say um, you're always going to have evil people in the world, but I'm not to. I'm not willing to um, broad a, a, a wipe a, a wide brush over a whole group of people because of five or six people in a certain area doing these bad things. Hmm. And all Caucasian, I'm not going to say, "Oh, look at what the Caucasian people." Have done. Civil rights movement. It hasn't been a hundred years. It hasn't been a eighty years. Mm-hmm. I think it's a civil rights movement. It ended in nine. Let me say, put in put nineteen seventy. So let's just say fifty to sixty years. The civil rights movement has been over. You still got people who are still alive to this day who was involved in a, doing segregation. So you still got a whole generation who's still around and still and still believing these in these things. Okay. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a while. It's gonna take a while before ultimately, where I think that um, eventually, maybe some harmony, some harmony, because I don't think we all are harmony. I don't think we all as one, you know, uh, as in present. I don't think so at all. And also, another thing is this: you always gonna have evil and, and bad people in the world, especially here in the United States. Mm-hmm. You always gonna have people do those things. So, but I'm not willing to paint a broad picture of a whole race of group of people saying, hey, we in a race war. That's, I'm, not, I'm not willing to do that. And I really, I don't see the evidence of that, even though these things are popping up. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, also, yes, um, almost lost my train of thought when I was listening to you just then. <laughs> uh, but, um, but um, as far as like, um, you know, is there a significant, would you say there's a significant amount of people that want, that want to start the Rahul, uh, which, they, which they call the Rahul Holy War? Is there a significant amount of people? Uh, a, a significant amount of people who want to start what type of war? The Rahul. It's called the Rahul Holy War. That's what the um, white supremacists call it. Um. In America, you got 312 million people. And out of okay. 312 million people, you got, you got 100 million probably that's white. Or mm-hmm. maybe 98 million that's white. Out of that group of people, how many do I think that actually, um, I think that there is a, a race war or we should be in a race war or is there a race war coming? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say maybe, and I'm just guessing. I'm going to say because, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say maybe 3 to 4%. Mm. That number out there, three, four percent. Because you always, like I said, you always going to have these bad people. You know? Yeah. You can have a hundred people, and out of those hundred people, not, not not bad people, evil people. Let me say that, evil people. Yes. Yeah. Have a hundred people. Out of that hundred people, there's ten who probably pretty much are evil. Who wants something really bad to happen? Um. Ever since President and. Again, I didn't want to mention him. You starting to see a lot of it coming. Not just little, but during President Barack Obama term, you start to see a little of these racism. President Barack Obama term, you start to see a little of these 
person in the shop. It's like they really out there in your face. But also, if you look at the other side, you also see quite a few whites who are against these people, these racist people. Especially those left wing. You see, you see a lot of them like that. Um, so I'm going to say, matter of fact, I'm going to say maybe 2% of that population. And maybe even less than that. So I, I, I'm not going to say that uh, it's a lot of is it like a millions and millions? I'm going to say no. Maybe hundreds of thousands? Yes. Yes. I would say definitely, definitely hundreds of thousands, but not millions and millions. Okay. Well, that's all I have for tonight. Leave us with something positive, Brother Kenny. All right, brother. Uh, leave us something positive. Um, I'm going to say this. Uh, as we... One of one of the things up that we talked about is pretty much, um, and I mentioned a couple of times, um, evil people in the world. I like to say that um, this is the year 2019, and every year you always start renewal of a, re- renewal of a New Year's resolution. This year I don't have a New Year's resolution. This year I'm going to leave all things in God's hands, and our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, and let Him guide us, and let Him ultimately. I show us the way. I tell all the people out there that ultimately what needs to be done is before you do, make sure you think before you do. Yeah, meaning not just something bad, but I'm or something bad, and make sure you do something good. Meaning also economics, money wise, you know, spend black. Also, no, no, understand that is that when you look at your brother, your sister out there of a color, think of them and say, you know what? How can I help that person? Um, but ultimately, uh, once again, leave all things in God's hands and trust in the Lord. And uh, Happy New Year, 2019. Oh yeah, this is my first show of 2019, and I say it was, right. and I say it was a good one too. Um, I want to thank you, for, <laughs> and I want to thank you for joining us. We just spoke truth to power. All right. Mm.